this is our last message, kind of still of our Christmas service. We need baby Jesus restored to the central place. Uh, thanks, Bryn. Um, that, that'd be great. Uh, so we've been doing these four songs of Christmas, and the first song was Mary's song. The second song was Zechariah's song. And then on Christmas morning, we looked at the angel song. Awesome. And that leaves this morning Simeon's song. And so each morning, uh, each message has been, uh, uh, we've looked at this different song that's present in the, uh, the gospel story, uh, the Christmas story. And Mary's song was about, that. To, to me, the key point that stood out was that the heart of faith is, is trusting God in uncertainty. Um, Mary just had this incredible faith to trust God in the most uncertain, unusual situation that she was placed in, yet she had this faith to just praise God and trust God in her uncertainty. And Zechariah's song, a key verse from, from his song is, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people to redeem them. So for me, there's a, the key point there is just about the fact that God in Jesus is coming to redeem his people. And then the angel's song, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace to those on uh, whom his favor rests. That God is welcoming outsiders. The, the shepherd's story for me, the key point that stood out in the shepherd's story was that God was taking outsiders and bringing them into the center of his story. And God is in the business of reaching out to those who are far from him or those who feel like they're on the outside. And he wants to say to those people or to you, if you're one of those people, I don't want you to be on the outside. I want, you to, I want to draw you into my story. I want you to be part of it. Uh, my peace is for you. And then this morning we come to the, the least known uh, of those uh, songs, least known of those passages, uh, which is Simeon's uh, song. And I think it's the, the reason it's the least known is we, we, we build up to Christmas, we have the Christmas story, and then it's like, all right, that's it, we're done. Let's go on to the next bit. Let's go on to something else. But there's this lovely little uh, passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2 that is a story told when Jesus is 40 days old and his parents take him to the temple. Uh, and uh, I'm going to read it from verse uh, 22. When the time came for uh, the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and also to offer up a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents uh, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled 
at what was said to them. And I'll read on a bit. I'm not going to focus on this last bit. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, uh, his mother, this child is destined to cause the fall and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let me pray before I get into this. Father, I pray that through your word, that you will speak through your word so that uh, Jesus will be glorified, so that through your word, lives will be transformed. And through your word this morning, hope will be revealed afresh. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think I've thrown out this question before, but uh, uh, have you ever been in a situation where in a random situation, someone famous is, comes into your midst and, and you see someone famous? And you're just in a random spot. It's not like you've gone to some concert or some place, but you're just, uh, for example, I think once we're in, the, in, in a trip between Brisbane and Sydney, we're in Coffs Harbour, in the fish and chip shop in Coffs Harbour, and Ru- Russell Crowe walked in. And there you go, Russell Crowe. And you, you know, you generally whisper to the person next to you, you don't want to make a scene. Although some people will get out the phone and want to get a selfie or get an autograph. But often you just whisper, that, is that so-and-so? Has anyone been in a situation like that? There's a few, Larry, someone really famous. Callum Han. That's really international level of fame. He appeared on... Master Chef, that was that's good. Sylvester Stallone in a restaurant in New Orleans. No one's beating that. That that almost beats Callum Hahn uh, in the fruit veg in uh, Handoff. Yes. That's right. You bu- I saw that you bumped into Malcolm Turnbull. He was campaigning, wasn't he? I think yes. Sat next to Kevin Rudd on the way to New York, and I missed the last bit. You didn't know you was him till he woke up, and he said, uh, "Did he say hello? I'm uh, Kevin from Queensland, and I'm here to help." Did he say that? No, <laughs> he didn't. Uh, that's a good one. Wow, impressive. All right. Well, this uh, Simeon tops that. Simeon tops that. He gets to meet Jesus in the temple courts in Jerusalem. And what I want to do is I'm just going to simply work through this passage bit by bit and I'm going to explain it and you're going to have to stick with me. It's the 29th of December between Christmas and New Year, so don't sort of go off to sleep. I'm going to go through the theology and the biblical content and then I'm just going to say what are three things that apply to us out of this passage. So the context of this is that Mary and Joseph, Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. And they travel on the 40th day. On the 8th day, Jesus was circumcised. That's the the custom of the Jewish people and still is. And then on the 40th day, that would have happened in Bethlehem. But on the 40th day, they travel to Jerusalem to go through a consecration of their firstborn, according to the Jewish law, and also a purification rite for Mary, according to the Jewish law. So Bethlehem to Jerusalem is about uh, nine kilometers, not a huge distance at all. And they would have travelled there either walking or perhaps uh, on a donkey for, for Mary again. Um, and they, they would have gone to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, which was a small town and then had been in Bethlehem. Jerusalem, though, was the big city. 
It was a, it was a metropolis for, the, for its time. It was a bustling place, full of markets, full of people. And in the centre of Jerusalem, the, the, the centrepiece of Jerusalem was this incredible uh, building and surrounding courtyards, the temple. And in the centre of the temple was the, the holiest of holy places. And, and in front of that was the altar where the sacrifices took place day and night. There were sacrifices uh, being made for forgiveness of sin and for various reasons. And, and there were animals being burnt on the, on the altar and that the smoke would have been rising up from the temple. It would have been this most incredible sight and sound. Musicians, temple musicians, priests in ornate robes. And to go into the temple for a Jewish person was mind-blowing experience. It, was, it, was, it would have been an incredible. For someone that lived in the country, a rare, maybe once a year occurrence to go up to the temple, to enter the temple courts, huge uh, open expanses, dazzling uh, stone work, and it would have been this most amazing experience. Mary and Joseph being quite poor country people, going to the temple to perform these rites. So we can read in Exodus 13, it says, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. Uh, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. It says a little later, Redeem every firstborn among your sons. And so they were following the tradition. They went up to Jerusalem also for Mary, there was a second part, which was a purification rite, um, purity in, in, in the Jewish law. Um, there's all these kind of, when we read Exodus and particularly Leviticus, all these strange to us purification laws that had to happen at different circumstances. One of them was after the birth of a child. So they went up to Jerusalem, entered the temple courts. Meanwhile, there's this guy called Simeon. And Simeon has, it says, has been revealed to him by God that he will not die until he has seen the Messiah. And uh, he was waiting for the Messiah, eagerly waiting for the Messiah. And um, it says this strange verse, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's kind of a strange phrase, the consolation. What does that actually mean? And it, it really means that he was waiting in eager expectation for help for Israel. Uh, the NLT puts it this way, he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And this, this word consolation is an interesting one. I don't often quote the Greek words, but consolation means uh, paraclesis, okay? And the, interestingly, when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, he promises the paraclete. So the, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete in John, and here the word is paraclesis. It's about a comforter or a counsellor who will come after a time of, of loss or hardship and bring comfort and bring hope. And so the, the Spirit would come after Jesus had left them and bring comfort. And also here, um, he was promising that Jesus himself would come after a time when God had been silent for centuries and would bring hope and restoration. And uh, so it was a very meaningful, interesting thing there, that this same word paraclete and parakletos is, um, is a very similar word from the same root word. And, um, and interestingly, of course, Jesus is talking about the Spirit coming and uh, the Spirit came at Pentecost. But here in this verse, we see these references to the Holy Spirit. And, 
And Simeon is someone, it says, who was moved by the Spirit and who had the Spirit upon him. And so it's interesting that the Spirit didn't just appear for the first time at Pentecost, but the Spirit would move in a different way prior to Pentecost. Before the Spirit came at Pentecost and was indwelling in all believers, the Spirit would sort of come upon someone, particular people at particular time, for a particular purpose. And the Spirit had been revealed to him that he was going to see the Saviour. He was going to see the Messiah. And, uh, and then in verse 27, again, the activity of the Spirit, he's moved by the Spirit. So he's not living in the temple courts day and night. He's living in Jerusalem. He's had this promise and he's been waiting. Now, we don't know that Simeon is an old man, but it is presumed that he is an old man. Because after he sees Jesus, he says, basically, he says, you can send me away now. Like, I'm, I'm ready to die now because I've seen the Saviour. Um, and he's waiting in Jerusalem. The Spirit guides him to go into the temple courts. Now, we can only imagine that he was expecting to see a grown man. Like, you couldn't have expected that when he was waiting to see the Messiah, that he was expecting to see a little baby. And yet the Spirit moves him to the temple courts, and when he sees Jesus, it's revealed to him somehow by the Spirit that this is the Messiah right here as a baby. And you get this incredible moment, like, I'm not much of a hugger, right? That's pre- yeah, that's pretty well-known established fact, but I have improved. But I think I have, Judy, thank you. I really think I'm doing better. I know you don't think I have, but I really feel that I've grown in that area. Let's move on. Um, but there's a powerful image in this story, right? Simeon actually embraces Jesus. And we talk about, like this reminds me sort of in reverse of the prodigal son story. When the prodigal son returns to the father and there's a wonderful painting, that very famous painting that was done of the father embracing the son. But here is a, is a man, Simeon, embracing the saviour, Jesus, as a baby. There's a wonderful intimacy with that, like the embrace of God or intimacy with God. And here it's actually a man who embraces this child, embraces this baby, Jesus. Uh, What a wonderful image that is, the embrace of God or or embracing and connecting intimacy with God right there. And then out of that that flows this song. He says... um, says, um, in this song, firstly, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you know, as God has promised, God is faithful to his promises. That's, that's the first thing we see in this song. God is faithful to his promises. And I should move these slides along. Um, and the second thing he says is, for my, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He basically says, uh, you know, I've lived, I've been waiting. And now that I've seen the Savior, you can dismiss me in peace. Most people, um, understand that to me he's basically saying I'd be I'd be happy to die now because I have seen the Savior and then he says this wonderful word for my eyes have seen your salvation it's a wonderful turn of phrase he doesn't just say I've seen the Messiah but he says my eyes have seen your salvation in Jesus he he recognizes this isn't just a child who will bring salvation, but he identifies the child as salvation. I've, I have seen salvation. Um, and then he makes this interesting comment, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, this is really important because in, in the four songs of Christmas, here is the first time we see an explicit reference to the fact that the Gentiles are included in God's plan, that Christmas is for not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And that's pretty important for us because that's pretty much you and I, unless anyone's Jewish here, we are the Gentiles. And saying this story is not just about Jesus has come to redeem his people Israel, but Jesus has come to save and redeem all people, Jews and Gentiles, people of every nation, all nations will be blessed through Jesus. And that's really important because it tracks right back to the promise that was made to Abraham when God blessed and called Abraham. And he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I'm going to bless you. Israel, the nation is going to be blessed. But not only that, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. And that very promise to bless all nations is now being fulfilled in Jesus because this is what God has prepared in the sight of all nations and he will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. It's really important. It's really, really important for us. We are saved. We are included in this story. We're not just kind of celebrating Christmas as like, as a sort of side, like Christmas is for the Jewish people, and, and we sort of just remember that as kind of a, the second cousins to this story. No, we are central to this story because that is part of God's plan. God has redeemed us through Jesus, and that's a wonderful thing. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is, this is what brings glory to, this is sort of a honour and praise to the people of Israel because through them the Messiah has come. So that's the song. And, the, and I'm just going to simply say, well, what does that mean for us this morning? Let me highlight three things from this song. And I'm going to highlight three words. The first word is, uh, oh, actually, what, uh, before that, uh, yeah, okay. First point is this. The first word I want to, word I want to point out is waiting. And, and I want to make the point, obedience to God often requires waiting. Obedience to God often requires waiting. Uh, Simeon sees the Messiah because he has been prepared to wait. God has promised that he's going to see this Messiah, but it would seem that he waits potentially for a long long time possibly for years and years he has been waiting for this promise to be fulfilled now I don't know about you but frankly I'm not very good at waiting is anyone good at waiting is anyone not good at waiting let's ask that is anyone going to join me in okay most of the room are not good at waiting I'm especially not good at waiting if I'm waiting for food <laughs> if I'm waiting for food I'm not very good at at waiting. And yet I am the person in the restaurant who always, pretty much always gets served last, <laughs> right? I remember being in a restaurant with a group of people for lunch. This has happened to me on several occasions, but, but I only had a reasonably tight time frame, right? So I said, look, uh, when we ordered, I said, hey, you know, I've only got it just under an hour till I've got to go. So can I just make sure my, is, is it going to be okay time-wise? Yep, no problems, We'll make sure yours comes out first. So I'm sitting around with 10 people. Someone's meal comes out, but not mine. Someone else's comes out. Someone else's comes out. At this point, I go, all right, I've got to make a mention. Look, just checking, 
You know, just, just being very polite about this. Uh, is my meal on its way? Because I, I need to go pretty soon. Yeah, 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 no problems, sir, no problems. Next person comes out, next person comes out. All the meals except mine came out and I'm still waiting and it hit the point where I actually had to leave. My meal still hadn't come out. I had to leave lunch without getting. I was not very happy, you know? Uh, I don't like waiting. I'm not a great, I'm not a, you know, patience is the virtue that I particularly need. It's the fruit of the spirit that needs to grow on my tree. Um, is that true, Mel? Yes. Okay. We just, we won't say any more about me. Um, but God sometimes requires us to wait. And God sometimes requires people to wait for a very, very long time. And, and God sometimes requires God to wait a long time for quite significant things. Isn't that true? And some of us right now are waiting for something. You might have been waiting for quite some time for something that's very significant and something that you've prayed long and hard for. And I guess I just want to highlight that obedience to God requires us at times to wait. And God, that's part of, of how it is as followers of Jesus. That God doesn't, we live in the era, era of instant gratification, don't we? We live in the era of fast food and Uber Eats and online shopping where you just click a button and three days later it arrives. We get used to getting what we want, when we want it, and we want it now. It's not how God works. It's not how God's promises are fulfilled. Many people wait, and some of us have been praying and waiting for God to answer our prayers. And I've also seen, though, that God often makes us wait, but He also uses a time of waiting. If you're in a time of waiting, just understand that God might actually be using that for a purpose and for a reason. And it might also be a test of your obedience. Don't give up if you are waiting. Many times people have waited and waited and waited. And some of the things that people pray for that I've seen God often answer right after many, many years is when people have prayed faithfully for someone to come to know Jesus. They prayed for loved ones. And so often it's only at the very end of someone's life after many, many years of never, ever responding, of people being prayed for, of seeing no sort of fruit or response to that. And it's often in the last few days of someone's life when they actually reach that point where they say, you know what, I need God. And all my life, I've not wanted to know God, but now I'm open to it. So if you're praying for a breakthrough, keep praying and don't give up and keep being, keep trusting because obedience to God often requires waiting. Second word is revealed, is revealed. And we saw that... Um, uh, he says that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So the second point is that God reveals, um, God reveals to those who are listening and looking, to those who are listening. God is in the business. He, that's probably the wrong term. God loves to reveal things to those who are listening, to those who are looking and the nature of God is that His Holy Spirit is at work in those of us who believe and He desires to reveal things to us. As you enter a new year, this is kind of the, 
the hope and the joy and for me the excitement of a new year is that I believe that for every person, God has it in his plan to reveal something to you in the coming year. God might reveal something to you that's small or God might reveal something to you that's big or he might just want to reveal something to you uh, many times over through his word. But I believe that God is a God who speaks and that God in the coming year will want to reveal something to you. The question is, are we going to listen? Are we looking? Are we engaged? Are we asking God to reveal? Do we have our ears open, our eyes open, our hearts open, so that when God reveals, we will receive and hear? Uh, The Holy Spirit is indwelling in us and God wants to, through the Spirit, reveal things. And I I kind of feel like, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to, to be the church that where every person was listening? To be a church where every person was looking and listening to what God wanted to reveal. We wouldn't have to do too much more, would we? That would be an amazing year ahead. If every person in this church says, I'm just 2020, 2020, I want to listen. And I'm going to be looking and I'm going to be listening for what God wants to reveal to me. That'd be an amazing year, I believe. Last thing is this. Uh, The third word is moved. Moved. Uh, Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Here's the third one. Uh, There we go. Uh, We must be willing to go as God moves. It wasn't enough for him to have been revealed to him. It was being revealed to him that he wasn't going to die before he saw the Messiah. But then God moved him and said, you need to go to the temple courts now on this day and you need to be in this place. And then what, what, when he got there, what would he have seen? Hundreds, maybe thousands of people all milling about, coming and going. And God moved him to say, you see that couple over there with that little baby? That little baby, he is the one. Not, not, the, not the dad, not Joseph. Don't worry about him. <laughs> that little baby, that 40-day-old baby, it's him. He's the Messiah. Go to him. And he did. He walked up, and this couple, Mary and Joseph, are standing there, and he walks up. I could do it right now. I won't, because it's just a toy baby. And <laughs> he takes this baby in his arms because it had been revealed to him but that wasn't all he was moved and when he was moved he went so as we approach a new year are we are we listening and are we looking but more to the point are we willing to go as God moves us and I I think that's so important because just living daily, uh, you know, if you're just living daily, I believe that the, through the Spirit, the Spirit wants to move us regularly. In small ways, often not even in, not some grand thing. I'm not talking about God saying, I'm going to move you to Africa, though that could happen. But it's actually just in the small detail. You know, so often in my ministry, uh, it'll happen 
that I just get a sense that I should give someone a phone call, right? And my ministry is pretty busy. I've always got a lot on the go. And if I'm honest with you, there's times when I listen and, and move, as God says, and there's times when I kind of hear that prompt but don't respond to it. I've got to tell you, every single time I respond to that prompt and call someone, I will discover that there was 100% a reason why I needed to call that person. All right, you, you experience that? God puts something on your heart, you think, gee, I, I, should, I should do this. The Spirit is speaking and moving you. Will you go where the Spirit prompts? Again, as a church, wouldn't it be amazing if every single person in the church says, God, I want to look and I want to listen to what you want to say to me in 2020. And secondly, when you, when you move me, when you tell me to go, I'll go there. I'll speak to that person. I'll give that person a call. I'll do what needs to be done because I'm in the flow of what God is doing. Let me finish by saying this. Simeon, uh, right through the Christmas story, all the names of the people have incredible significance. There's a whole sermon series about that. But Simeon's name means he who listens. That's what Simeon means. He who listens or he who hears or simply he who is obedient. That's how they explain his name. Simeon means he who listens and he who hears. At the start of a new year, at the start of a new decade, uh, I want to be the one who listens and I want to be the one who hears and I want to be the one who is obedient. But I want to encourage you to pray for the infilling of God's Spirit afresh in your life as you go into a new year, that you might be someone who is led by God, someone who listens, someone who walks in step with the Spirit, someone who trusts that God is going to move you, someone who, when God does move you, is willing to take that step of faith into the unknown, into maybe a strange place, into a maybe a strange situation, maybe into going up to a strange person, but that you would be the person who says, yes, Lord, I am listening, I am trusting, and I will go. And if we are a church that does that, we will, do, we will see Jesus glorified. We will see lives transformed. And we will see hope being revealed to people who need to hear the hope of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.